So think about this. I don't care if you and I were going to open a restaurant, a manufacturing company, doesn't matter. If we could create cash now, like people need when they're starting businesses, cash like they need water. So cash now, yeah. cash monthly, and cash longer term, like further out wealth creation, that's an ideal business model. Think about it. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, Threefold listeners, we've got a great guest with us today. Chris Prefontaine is joining us today. Uh, real quick, uh, a little bit about Chris. He's a three-time best-selling author. Uh, he, he wrote Real Estate on Your Terms, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing, and uh, Sawyer's Real Estate Investing for Women, Monika Sawyer's Real Estate Investing for Women. He's also the founder and CEO, CEO of SmartRealEstateCoach.com, and he hosts a great podcast called Smart Real Estate Coach Podcast. He's been investing in real estate uh, for almost 30 years. Experience ranges from constructing new homes in the 90s to owning a realty executive franchise to running his own investments, commercial and residential, and coaching clients throughout North America. Today, Chris uh, runs his own buying and selling business with his family team. I uh, love, love to, to dig into that, which purchases two to five properties monthly. Uh, so they're in the trenches every week, uh, just, just like we are, myself and the, the listeners. Uh, they also help uh, their associates, so coaching students, uh, do the same exact thing across North America, uh, working together on another 10 to 15 properties through them, uh, closing each week. So uh, Chris has been through several uh, real estate cycles, so he understands the challenges of this business and helps students navigate uh, the constantly changing real estate water. So uh, first of all, Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Lee. I appreciate it. Look forward to diving in. Yeah, let's jump in, Chris. So you, you've been in, I, I like to start with the guests on kind of how they got into real estate, why they got into real estate. I mean, you, you were, you kind of always been in it, you know, starting in the construction. So sounds like, you know, you, you've had a, a lifetime and, and definitely made a career and a couple of careers of real estate. Well, let's talk, Chris, maybe a little bit about how did you get into real estate investing? Because just building houses, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably just that's, you know, where you were earning your paycheck, where you were trading time for money. And, and that wasn't, you know, really your investing, but how, how and why did you actually start becoming a real estate investor? Um, I mean, it, it really started after I sold my company to Coal Banker in 2000. It wasn't a big sale. I, I don't want to make it like a big deal. It was a, it was a big deal for me at the time in my, what, I was probably 34 years old. So it was a cool mm -hmm. transition for me. But then I started saying, okay, I got some time on my hands, got a little bit of money, and I want to start doing my own deals. Unfortunately, or, you know, I should say fortunately, that led to the crash, though. So from 2000 okay. till 2008, I was doing my own thing, coaching people and doing my investments. But that led to the crash and getting beat up. But, but in hindsight, I'm super glad I, I, I went through it. You couldn't have convinced me then, but I'm super glad I went through it. Maybe we'll get into that later. Sure. 2000, 2008, Chris. So you're, are you mostly at this time buying single family homes? Are you, are you flipping? Are you holding? What, what, were you, what were you and your students doing from 2000, 2008? Um, okay. From 2000, 2008, I was doing a lot of... Um, my wife was doing some raise the roof projects where we take a single family, single, single story house and blow it up. Uh, oh. I a lot of condo conversions. Those were sweet. Then we were buying three and six unit buildings, turning them into condos and flipping them. By the time you get paint on the walls, they're selling. So 
did a lot of that and did some commercial deals. Um, but again, that we did all that in that eight years by signing personally on loans because we had good credit and, you know, doing stupid things like that. So then when the crash came, look, I got nothing against bankers, but they're doing their job. And when the market crashes, they're going to come looking for who has the personal signature. And that was me. So I made a, a real, you know, pivot in, uh, it wasn't an eight because it took me four years to dig out. But by 2012, mm. I said, okay, if we're going to do deals again, we're not signing personally with banks ever. And we don't, and we never have. And we control, I don't know, 70 or $80 million now with, between us and students. We do not sign personally on any of that. Wow. No, nothing. Okay. So getting non-recourse debt or, or are you being even more creative than that, Chris? No, good question. Cause like the way I said that, that begged that, um, yeah, not non-recourse either. We don't take out loans, so we buy everything on terms. Owner financing, lease purchase, and subject to existing financing. Those are the three ways we buy, always. The only exception is, and I'll say this to anyone listening, if you're going to buy your personal home and you, can, and you have to have a certain area, like I wanted this area. I'm sitting in my home office today. I wanted this area. It's between two beaches. I, I had to go convention. I couldn't find a terms deal. But, yeah. but, but that being the only excuse, other than that, you shouldn't be signing personally. Okay, gotcha. Well, that, that's definitely something I want to get into, Chris, because I, I know reading up on your stuff, yeah. seeing some of your stuff, that's that's kind of a specialty of yours. And it's it's kind of like, I would consider that kind of a next level real estate investing, kind of maybe 200, 300 uh, level um, class on, on real estate. So I definitely want to get into that because that's not something we talk a whole lot about on the show. But first, Chris, let's let's jump into a little bit about what 2008 looked like for you. So, you know, yeah. signing on some debt, like you said, I mean, because I've, I've had other guys on the same thing, like they, they didn't really get carried away. It wasn't like they were, you know, crazy leverage. It wasn't, you know, putting this house against this house and how much leverage can we take and just doing crazy things. It was just, yeah, there, there were some people or a bunch of people that just walked away and left the banks hanging. So then they're going to come out to the people that that do have equity that actually, you know, even are doing things right and, and come calling. So maybe just a little bit of what that looked like, but then what I'm even more interested in, Chris, is those four years to, to dig out and, and what it took for you to stay in the game and not, think like real estate sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with real estate. That was cool for eight years. Well, longer than eight years, but you had that eight year run of doing stuff yourself. And man, it seemed yeah. good, but that was because the market was going up. The market went down and now you can't do anything. How, how did you, how did you stay in it and turn it around in those four years? Yeah. Well, first of all, I did say real estate sucks and I'm not going to do it again. I did say <laughs> that at first mentally, but I, I don't get back you. to that. Uh, yeah. You know, it was, we had 23 of those properties or projects, we roughly speaking. And uh, you know, Yes, we did get a little foolish, I would say. I thought it was an okay. ATM, despite me being in the business for years. You get caught up in it. And it was so ridiculously easy to get money. Yeah. So, yeah, we did We did get caught up. Then when, it's almost like you flipped the light switch in February of 08. I know specifically, it's in my book, but I know specifically where I was, yeah. what I talked about, because it was ugly. Um, as far as digging out, everybody and their brother and every attorney and every person I talked to said, just file bankruptcy and move on. I just couldn't do it. I, I'm not going to say whether that was a good decision or not. Yeah. Uh, I had to grid it out. I had some payment plans that went as, as recent as two years ago, finished up. I mean, that's how wow. I stuck in there with some people. Okay. So that sucked, but it also formed some um, lasting relationships that will never end because I did what I did, right? I stuck in there with people. Um, so and is that with banks, what, Chris, or with your investors? Did you have other people's money in on it? And you? Yeah, I had some other people's money with okay. the exception of one who just had no patience for it. And I had to go on a long-term plan. And they did come after me. Everyone else, I called them up and said, look, I, I didn't cause a national crisis, but here's what I will do. No matter what it takes, I don't care if it takes me 10 years, and some did, I will stick with you. And that's what I said to them. And I, and, and I didn't make that up. A guy that I know used to sell me lumber. He's a very successful entrepreneur. I wrote about him in my book. 
he said, Chris, listen, you didn't cause this. So go to everyone and be honest. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. Except again, with the exception of one person, they all hung in there. Um, that's awesome. and then wow. it, yeah, it took a while. So you said, you know, it's not like I said, it sucked. No, I did. In 08, yeah. I said, I'm done. This is ridiculous. And from February of 08 till almost four years to the, to the week or month of 2012, it, that was the dig out period, four years. And in that period, did I do no real estate? No, I did some, but I was mostly digging out of all the crap. I went yeah. off and did some speaking gigs for a, a direct sales company to develop some sales training. I just needed a break. Yeah. And then I said around 12, it was actually, yeah, beginning of 12, my wife said, you know, you always have the itch. What are you, you going to do next? Are you going to do it or not? And I started just to dabble in lease purchase, owner financing, and getting real excited about it. And that led to us trademarking the three payday system we have in the U.S. We trademarked it um, so that I wouldn't get paid, like you said earlier, building a house once and more, have more of a job. I'd get paid three times on every deal. Uh, so that's what we started. in by about 13, that kicked in. And we've been going strong ever since. You asked about singles. We do teach and do mostly singles, single families. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you can't buy like the Rockefellers, the Carnegie's. You can go back in the 1800s. People have been doing owner financing since then. Master leases, lease purchases. Like this isn't new. All we did is kind of wrap a bow around it, get a three payday system around it and, and stop buying property. Our office building, I'm not in it right now, but our office building was bought on owner financing without bank loan, commercial underwriting, and all that crap you got to go through. And, it, and we live on an island. Most people would say, oh, you can't find those deals here. No, you can. They're everywhere. So you could buy anything is my point. It doesn't have to be single family. It's the way we do okay. it. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, I, I feel like we got to kind of jump in, Chris. I mean, this all, this all makes sense. If I was, if I was investing in 2008 and, and totally burned by, by, by a crash again, that you had nothing to do with. I mean, everything's going along you know, well for you, there, there's no uh, cracks, you know, no, nothing to make you think anything's going to go back. And then, you know, the, this financial crisis that, that was engineered by gov- our government, the banks, you know, Federal Reserve, how, who yeah. do you want to put the blame on? Um, and it brings it down. And, and my goodness, I mean, kudos to you, man, for, for hanging in there and, and, and pushing through it and, and, and paying your debts and, and staying behind your word and getting through that. And I have no doubt that that would lead to some some great lasting relationships because, People yeah. seeing that, that you're not going to walk away. And, and my goodness, if you can get through that, then, you know, wh- whatever comes next, I mean, you, you're going to, you know, for the most part, probably pretty easily get through, get through those things if you can get through something that bad. So um, that, that's really cool. So I uh, can totally understand why, why you kind of took, you know, some time off. I mean, number one, you're digging out. So, so maybe didn't have uh, the, the ability to, to go at it again, but also, you know, kind of getting your mind right. So then you come back and, you know, you're, you're obviously looking like, okay, that, that didn't end well. Um, and, and who knows when, when it's going to crash again. I mean, we, we do a really good job, I would say, in this country of, of blowing up bubbles. So, you know, who knows when, it, when it's going to crash again. So you say, hey, we're not going to make the same mistakes again. We're going we're gonna to tweak right. things. Like real estate still works. Like, I mean, you kind of just made a, a reference there to the 1800s. I mean, real estate is tried and true. Real estate works. Um, but right. maybe, maybe taking a bunch of money from the banks that are that are going to go do stupid things and, and suddenly have to call your money due because they're, you know, on the verge of bankruptcy. Maybe that doesn't work. So maybe we're uh, going to have to shift a little bit. Maybe we're going to have to not rely on banks. We're going to rely on ourselves. We're going to, you know, set things up differently. So um, that all makes sense to me, Chris. And so how did you start doing that? And then I definitely want to get into getting paid three times. Can you kind of walk us through your evolution there and, and then kind of tell us a little bit more about the getting paid three times and the model that you guys work off of today? Yeah. So how I got started was simply the lease purchase um, avenue, only because I had no money or credit. 
And all these purchase agreements, the way we have redesigned them now, are built in with a $10 deposit, literally. So mm. you can control real estate with 10 bucks. Now people say, oh, not in my area, not in my price range. No garbage. You can do it in all areas and all price range. I'll give you a quick example. I like, I like real stories, not just um, uh, theory. So the, the latest success story in our community, the Wicked Smart community, is, is Brian. Brian's in Chicago. Now most people would say, oh, it's a hot market. No, you can't do it there. Brian just completed his 10th. He's working on his 11th deal. The three paydays that we'll talk about in a minute total 760 grand in those 10 deals. All 10, coincidentally now, because we teach three ways, are all these purchased, all of them. Okay. Now, the other, ones, the, the other stuff I do is more advanced, so he's getting there with that, but all of them were bought with $10, $10, and he created 760 grand in income. Now, just think about that. So people think that's far-fetched. No, that's, that's the newest story that we just created in our community, and he went full-time in the business because of it, and it's, yeah, it's really cool. So. Um, you know, our purpose is to, to help individuals and families create the life of their dreams. Brian will tell you, he's doing that now. It's exactly yeah. what he's doing. Um, you asked about the three paydays. So think about this. I don't care if you and I were going to open a restaurant, a manufacturing company, doesn't matter. If we could create cash now, like people need when they're starting businesses, cash like they need water. So cash yeah. now, cash monthly, and cash longer term, like further out wealth creation, that's an ideal business model. Think about it. So that's what we created. What, what happens is any deal we exit, we exit with buyers, especially during this market. Our, our volume skyrocketed because of the way banks are treating people now, even though rates are low, it's tough. So we work with buyers that need time. It could be two years, three years, five years, 10, doesn't matter. They need time. Could have been COVID, could have been divorce, could have been death, doesn't matter. They need time to build up credit or build up money or whatever it is. So, or self-employed and they need to show some seasonings, a couple of years at you know better returns. So payday one, as my, my newest investor partner says, uh, first bite of the apple is down payment. Buyer has a down payment. They just can't get financing. They thought they could, they can't, they're, they're discouraged. So they put down payday number one for us is average around 28 grand. Payday number two is the difference between what I'm paying the seller or the seller's underlying debt, because it's always in their name, not mine. And what I'm collecting from my buyer who just enters in a lease with us while they're getting what their act cleaned up. And so that's payday number two. Uh, that average anywhere between 300000 a month, depending on the deal. And then payday three is really cool because payday three is any markup we did, of course, to the property. That's standard. But it's also all of the principal pay down throughout the term. Let's just say it's a three-year term. I'm paying either a seller or their underlying debt, and I'm capturing all that principal pay down. So all three paydays for us, put a number on it, like seventy-five grand is our family's three payday average for, gosh, eight or nine years now. It's, it's gone up because we get better and better. But also our students are even better because they're in some higher priced markets. Our students run from a low of say 45 or 50 grand all three paydays to a high of 250. We've got one coming up that's like 319 grand payday three. That's pretty cool. And they already got the first two paydays. So that's what the three payday system is. That's a long answer, but we trademarked that uh, in US anyway for now. Uh, it's quite unique and it's a cool model to run with because you can stagger your cash flow for, gosh, once you're in this for a few years, you got holdings happening, payday threes for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. No. So this isn't a brand new concept to me, but I, I certainly am not an expert the way you are, Chris. And so let's let's dig into a little bit because I, I do think um, I, I love the idea of, of staying away from banks if you can. Um, I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, there, there's some good financing out there and I, I do believe in, in good debt still, um, but I, I totally get this model. And if you can work with SARS, I think that's awesome. 
the thing I want to get into next, Chris, let's get into the three paydays first, but I definitely want to talk about um, finding the deals. Cause to me, that that's probably the, the key here. You say you work with sellers that, that need time. I mean, I think that's, that's the key of, of, of finding the deal that this would work for finding the right seller. Um, but when you, when you've purchased the property, the three paydays are once you're, you're reselling it, correct? But you're, you're not selling it for cash, like a flip. You're not selling it to someone that's going to go right. to a bank. You're going to be the bank for no. that person. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point because um, I didn't piece that together for you. It's a good question. Meaning, so it's a lease to own or rent to own program for the buyer at first. Some of those lease to owns or rent to owns, however, prefer, if we can, depending on how we bought it, for us to find it, now turn around that to make it owner financing and they never go to a bank. So what, what deals would that be appropriate for? If I bought on owner financing and I can get long terms or I bought it subject to and I, and I have it forever, I then can make sure that buyer proves themselves. And after a year or so of proving themselves with on-time payments and getting the deposit up, I'll turn around owner financing for them. And so now a three or four or five year deal or a 10 year deal turned into a 20 or a 30 year deal. And those three paydays just skyrocket. And I'm in that thing, you know, my kids will have it, you know. So mm -hmm. there's some really cool ways of, of doing uh, pivots on these deals to make them longer term. But if you don't do owner financing, what's it look like? You talked about the big down payment and how quickly are they, are they paying that off? Because um, you, you're buying that, you're buying the house on, on terms as well, correct? From the seller? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what are your terms look yeah, like? So and what are your terms to the, to your buyer look like? Yeah, so if I have a clock ticking, like when you first start, like Brian's example, my example, those lease purchase contracts, they, they do have an end date. It mm -hmm. could be 36, 48, maybe 60. They usually don't go longer than that, the lease purchase deals anyway. And so I want to make sure when I vet my buyer, we vet all our buyers, we, our cash out rate lead is close to 95%. Wow. Inverse relationships, a lot of people that do it out there because they don't care about qualifying. We qualify these buyers. They got to be good. So we want to make sure that we get that qualification back from the underwriter and the credit enhancement company that the window of mortgage readiness is within my term. In fact, okay. I prefer it to be a year or two earlier and it gives them some wiggle room so nobody's stressing out. You know, they had okay. a burp in their job or they got a curve. Don't relax, I'll give you an extension and we have time, but at least mm -hmm. it keeps control on the deal and they'll go get conventional financing. I'll give you an example. In the next 40 days, as of the day you and I are filming this, the next 40 days, We've got about five or 600 grand just our family team in payday threes that were deals consummated in 14, 15, maybe even 16. They're coming to fruition now for payday three. Why? Because the buyer you're financing. Uh, those are the shorter term deals. Now, can I take a sandwich lease like that that originally had a three-year term and make it a five, seven, eight, 10-year deal? Yeah, I, you can convert those to sub two. This gets more detailed so we don't go dive too deep, but for my higher level students, we do what I call wealth stack. We get these deals in the hopper and then we start working with the sellers on extending terms and making these even more lucrative. Okay, gotcha. But you're, you're kind of bread and butter, a typical deal, Chris, you might be, you find um, a house, you, you find a, a potential seller, you go to them, you say, you know, I'll, I'll buy this, you know, house for a hundred thousand, but I want you to do seller financing for me and I'll, I'll you know, pay it off in, in two, three, four years. But then you go, turn around, go find a buyer and you're going to sell that house maybe 125, 150. And you tell them, Hey, within the next year, you got to have a big down payment, but then I'll, I'll let you make some monthly payments. But then the next year or two, you know, which is significantly less than, than what you negotiated with, with this, your seller. Hey, in the next year or two, you got to get financing and pay this off. Is that kind of yeah, conventional, basic yeah, deal? Conventional financing. In a nutshell, okay. what you described could be a typical deal. Yeah. Okay. So like you said, you know, the, the first, your average, I think you said what, 28,000 or something like that was, was uh, maybe the average of what you're going to ask 
your buyer to pay down. So you get that up front. Um, and, and that's, I'm assuming non-refundable. So if anything would happen, you've at least got that. And then you're, you're going to try to find another buyer, but most likely they're not going to walk away from a down payment that big. They make some monthly payments for a while until they can get conventional financing. And then they pay off the remaining debt to you, which is which where you make the extra profit. And then that allows you to go pay, pay off your, the seller that you bought the property from. Yeah, correct. As far as how much down our average is around that 28, but, but to give you a percentage, I want to make sure these guys are winning at the end. And, and if it's a jumbo loan, obviously we got to get them up higher, like 20% uh, or yeah. whatever they qualified for. But most we're averaging, if I did all my deals, we're probably averaging a seven and a half. We've okay. been pushing it lately as we get better and better, closer to 10. It's better for them. Like you said, they won't walk away. It's better for them. They look better with the bank and it's better for us because we have better cash flow. So it's a three-way win for sure. And we explain that to the buyer. Look, we want you involved in this. You're a buyer. I'm not a landlord. I'm, yeah. You're not a renter. You're a buyer. You just can't get your loan yet. So I got if I got a vehicle for you. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so let, let's jump in. Uh, how how are you finding your the sellers that, that um, are interested yeah. in, in doing the, the, the lease purchase like you guys do? How are you finding them? And then and what what is their typical situation? Why would they sell to you guys instead of listening on the MLS? Uh, first of all, we find them from a service that pulls uh, for sale by owners, expired listings, and for rent by owners. Those are good because some people are beat up from COVID, right? The landlords. Yeah. So those are three good categories. If there's an area where like the market's hot everywhere, right? So those yes. are thin pickings when you talk about FISBOs. So oh, now imagine. we start saying, okay, great. Uh, Lee, if you're in this little pocket where you can't get expired, and they're on the rise again, by the way, that's what the community's telling me, like as recent as today. So okay. that's good. But the FISBOs are still popping. So what we'll do is we'll target free and clear. Free and clear is just one example. But free and clear uh, owners like the building I bought, those owners are typically not on market. Those owners typically do not need the money right away, but they want the best price. And I'm cool with that. If I get five, 10 year terms, my building's 20 year terms. I don't care. I paid them top dollar. The market didn't give it to him. I said, I'll give it to you. As long as I get my terms. He said, great. We both felt like we walked away winning. So we find them that way, niche lists or a simple service that pulls those three categories. And then we have virtual assistants call them. So I'm okay. talking to people only that rise to the top. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't anymore. We have a takings team, but like an acquisitions team. But when I, even the day I started and how I teach my students is you're going to talk to the people that kind of raise their hand to your virtual assistant and said, yeah, I'm open. Call me. Yeah. That's who I want to talk to most, you know, by and large. So that's how we find them. Um, we do very little to no mailing. I just want to distinguish that between the wholesalers and other people that do that. I just don't think it's as predictable and I'm a big marketing guy, but I, but I, I don't want to have my students spending, even a thousand, let alone ten or twenty grand a month on right. on, on 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 ads. I'd rather have them pay a VA two, three, four hundred bucks a week and get predictable results because I can tell them how many they have to call to get how many deals. That I can do. So that's the way we go with that as far as how we get them. Who typically fits the mold? Yeah. Um, okay. Lease purchase. I you'll find people that need debt relief and that have equity, but they can wait. So hey, Chris, I yeah, I don't want to pay a realtor, or yeah, I can wait if you give me more money. I'll wait. That's who I can talk to. Who doesn't fit the mold is easier. That's someone who says, look, I got a family. I got to go buy a house with this equity. Right. I say, I'm not your buyer. I'm yeah. sorry. I can't do it. Um, who else? Sub two deals typically come to us through, they are stressed. Like the free and clear aren't stressed, right? Sub two deals, I'm buying it. The, the loan staying in their name. They're stressed. They need debt relief like yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Gentleman called uh, Brian, the gentleman I was just talking about. A guy called him today and said, look, I'm stressed. I, I think he was four months in arrears. He had been forced into renting a house. He just is stressed out. He wants it gone tomorrow. He doesn't care if he just take it over for I owe. 
those are typical sub two deals. Okay. Um, and then the owner financing, we go off to free and clear because they want people say, why did your building owner do that? Why would he, why would he just sell it? He didn't want cash for tax reasons. And right. He wanted payments for trust reasons. He's 71 or two. Now he gave me a 20 year note. Why state planning reasons. He doesn't want the cash. So yeah. I could keep going, but those That's are some cool examples of who and why. No, those are some really cool examples. And Chris, I, um, oh. You know, we, we definitely focus more on multifamily. So I, let, let's let's keep going down that path just a little bit. I mean, you gave us one great example. And I, that's the example I always think of in the multifamily side, because often, I mean, un, you know, kind of different than a single family home. Yeah, this guy that, that owns this building in his 70s, I mean, I don't know if he had it paid off, but I mean, this guy probably has a ton of equity in a building. So you're talking yeah. about, you know, maybe millions, sometimes millions, you know, a tax bill on that. And, and then the way depreciation yeah. works, I'm sure you understand, like, you know, a lot of times their basis is, is really low because uh, they've, they've taken yeah. all this depreciation, right? So, I mean, they are going to take a huge tax bill uh, versus if you, yeah, if you spread it out, I mean, they're in a totally different tax bracket. It's taxed differently. I mean, you're just, you're, you're absolutely, that is a win-win. That is a huge win-win uh, yeah. for them. Yeah. You got to find the right seller, obviously, because some people will say, no, you know, I want all the money today. I'm going to go buy something, but that, that's not where this guy's at. You know, he's like, no, you know, don't need the money, but I, I also, I don't need a, uh, whatever, three, four, $500,000 tax bill. I mean, you know, not many people right. want to um, tr- entrust that much money to, to the government. Uh, if they don't have to. So that, that's uh, a good example. I guess, you know, in talking to our listeners, I know that's not your guys' um, you know, bread and butter, but but obviously you've been doing this for a long time. Put on maybe your multifamily hat for a minute, if you don't mind. Yeah. And and how would you yeah. coach me and, and, and my listeners to maybe go after these type of deals on the multifamily side? Yeah, here's what I do immediately. I did it. <laughs> so okay. we, we were sitting once, this will answer the question. My daughter was running my office at that time. She has two kids, two great kids now. She's out. But we said, all right, Let's kind of, we're doing all these deals that are three, four, five, maybe 10 years. We didn't figure out yet how to get them longer. Now we do. But we said, let's get some multis. Let's just put some things in our portfolio. So we did a simple mailing. I'm talking to like 320 pieces, I think was the first one, maybe even lower than that. And we did them to multifamilies, four to 10 is all I was looking for. I wasn't looking for the monsters. And I did it to free and clear four to 10 units. Okay. Specifically, why? So I could talk to them about monthly payments. Now, I, I didn't bring it up on your show yet. But when we have free and clear properties, we look and 99% of the time get it to do monthly principal only payments. So I bought a six and a four from, I did a million, got one, said, oh, that was easy. Did another million, got another one. One was a six, one was a four. They're both free and clear. And they both structured 48 month terms of me with monthly principal only payments on properties that are already cash flowing. Picture that. So I'm paying down the principal every single month while the tenants are, and I'm just managing the building through my management company. Can't get easier than that. So target a third of the properties right now in the United States, if you're listening, is mostly US-based. A third of the yeah. properties are free and clear. A third. So why not go talk to them? They're great people to talk to. They've done some correct things to get debt-free, right? Yeah. Presumably. So they're neat, yeah. they're neat people to talk to. They just want their price. Sometimes it's ego, Lee. You know, you got a, a 50-unit building or whatever it is, 10, 6, 4. They, they, they're vested in that thing if it's debt-free. You know, they probably either pay cash or been at it for a lot of years. They want their number. And so both sellers, I gave them their number, but I got my term and hammered down principal over the term. So that's what I would do. And, and you're saying principal only, but what you're basically saying is, is 0% interest on Correct. kind of the money that they're essentially loaning to you. Correct. Uh, right. You got to okay. pay them the price. Yeah. Yeah. You got to pay them the price. It, the other thing, Chris, I mean, I, I feel like what you're doing for them is because I've talked to some, some guys in my area that, that own some multis that they're just kind of not ready to sell yet. And, and it's, it's, 
a pretty easy property for them. So I think they just say, yeah, I know it's worth a lot. I know I have a lot of equity. Probably they don't want the, the tax hit. So you're helping them with that. But then they just say like, man, I'm just, I'm really cash flowing well. Why would I give up that cash flow? But the way you do it, they're not giving up their cash flow in a way. I mean, you know, okay. you're you're giving them, you know, a, a big chunk to, to get into it probably, but then they continue getting cash flow. It's just, you know, the, the equity right. is, is no, you're, you're paying it out, but it, it kind of does, you know, and if it's five, 10, I mean, up to 20 years, it's like, no, you get to continue cash flowing off of this because you just, you just nailed your number, but I'm going to cash flow it for you over the next one. And now they're completely, you know, off of it. I mean, they're obviously not managing it anymore. You are. So I can see why that could be such a, a great option for, for certain uh, owners. Let me just get them, get your listeners thinking a little bit, because some people will sure. say, well, I, what if I can't get principal only? Okay. So what I did in my building, he was very conventional. He, he was a, he's the largest landowner around the island here, one of the top. So he knows real estate. And, he, and when I approached him with principal only, you might have thought I, I, I was going to steal his car from him. He just was like, what are you talking about? He wanted, in his head, 5.5% interest. This is before rates he dropped even more. I bought this several years ago, four years ago. So I said, all right, listen out. We'll do, we'll both win here. I'm going to start off with, I'm going to give you a price. I'm going to start off with a down payment. And so I broke my mold there because of my building. And then I'm going to start off with monthly principal-only payments with yearly groceries. I think I kicked in an extra five grand a year. Principal. He's and until it was just about one year, I think it was 10 months. After that 10 months, I'll then amortize the balance at 5.2. I did the math, and that's where I wanted to be. He wanted 5.5 from day one. Now picture something. In that first 10 months, I brought the balance down 90 grand in principal. There is no way, even with a good conventional loan, I'm getting 90 grand principal reduction in 10 months on a loan. Yeah. I'm not yeah. I'm not doing it. So I got my way. He got his way. I haven't talked to him since. He's happy as a clam because yeah. he's getting that cash flow. He even said to me, we tried to refi once. A bank offered us a really good deal with some financing they were doing with us. And he said, I do not, do not, do not want you to pay me off. Like he was adamant about it. I had yeah. no prepaid, but I just respected him. And so to this day, he's still on it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've read some books where, you know, that, that's the whole goal of the banks. The banks don't want to be paid off either. The banks want money lent out right. and they want to be right. receiving payments. So this, this guy, you know, thinks the same way. One thing you said there, Chris, I want to clarify real quick. So you said on this six unit, this 10 unit, you sent out mailers, but you said now you're not sending out mailers. So would you advise multifamily investors like myself? Uh, would you call like you guys are doing or would you do mailers on multifamilies? I would, I would actually do both. We did both. Okay. And I said mailers and remember, remember what I said, though, like, we only did like literally, I think the first mailing was 320 pieces. The second was like 260 we bought okay. a house each time, a multi. So I would send the postcard and follow up with a, uh, you can automate it, but send follow up with a text and a phone call. Why not? Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha, you both. Awesome. And, and very niche. Remember what I said now? So Brian, that gentleman again, said, Chris, I get this this woman who told me there's a bunch of doctors her age, like in their 80s, and they all want to sell. They're all free and clear. These duplexes in Chicago. I said, all right, drop, drop a mailer. He did 117 pieces and got like four leads because it was very targeted. He yeah. said, I'm buying this other house. I want another one, basically. Yeah. And yeah. you got you got like four more leads. So you just got to get targeted. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. Yeah, I just, I, I love I love the concept. I mean, you guys have obviously perfected. I would just, um, obviously we don't have even, you know, near enough time, Chris, to get in everything. That's why you guys do the, do the coaching. That's why you put out so much good material. That's why you've got the books. I mean, you guys got so much stuff out there. So I just 
really suggest if, if people realize the power behind this this concept um, and want to get into it to, to check you guys out. Um, we'll, we'll do it more at the end, Chris, but obviously I'll have in the show notes your guys' yeah. links and all that. You've already sent them to me so we can send people your way that are really interested in it. I love the idea of, of how that can work on uh, commercial multifamily. I mean, this can work on anything, anything where, where somebody owns a property and whether they're in distress, whether they need to sell quickly, whether they have a bunch of equity, whether they don't want to take a tax hit. I mean, there's so many reasons why someone would want to sell to you on your terms, Chris, um, versus, hey, let me just go get the top dollar, lose 6% to, to the brokers, you know, realtors, whatever, yeah. um, and, and, and go get, and then, you know, take the tax hit of, of the big gain. Um, and then the other thing too, you know, just is there's there's two levers that you can pull when you go to buy a property and it's price and terms. And what you're saying is I let them manage the, the price as long as they let me manage the terms. And you just have to win on one of those. You know, as long as you can win on one of those, you can have a, you can, you can buy right. And you, you've got to buy right, obviously, to do well in real estate. But as long as you can win on one of those, and what you're saying is, I let them win on price, but we went on terms, and that's what allows us to do really well. Yeah, and I let them. I do let them do that. But there's one caveat here. So there's a simple question. This is a good takeaway for your listeners. There's a simple question to ask every seller. I don't care if they're for sale by owner or expired. Doesn't matter. Whatever their price is, let's just say they say to you, "Hey, half a million. So, all right, great. When you were on the market, Lee, what did you think you were going to net? No, like 500. No, no. When it's all said and done, what do you think you're going to have in your pocket after you're dead? If you have debt, if you're free and clear, what did you think? Usually right away with that one question, your price just drop because they'll mm. say, well, I thought I'd get an offer. I'd probably, I don't know, 570. I was hoping to get bingo. There's your new price. So that's okay. what I mean by letting them dictate. But they're going to answer that question first before I give them the full price. Yeah, that's man. That's really, yeah. That, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And if you miss that step, yeah, you're really missing an opportunity. Because yeah, you, you reframe it and you get them to realize, you know, everything that's going to come out of that number that they yeah. think in their head, you know, they're thinking, yeah, they're thinking 650 or whatever. And yeah, you know, then all of a sudden it's 570 because they realize, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to lose 80 grand and, you know, reload all this stuff and, and it's going to be 570. So like you said, yeah, new price because they can keep all the money. They're not giving it up to anybody. Yeah, else. But think about point. it. They gave you the number still. You just yep. asked the question, but they gave yep. you the number and you say, okay, I got it. I can do that. They yep. like that. Yeah, I love that. Well, Chris, let's let's transition a little bit. We always like to, to get into you know the, the faith and family mm-hmm. aspect here at threefold. Um, you know, I, I know that that's something that, that you're big on is is that this is this is real estate for you and, and for your students. And the reason you're so passionate about it, and you like teaching others about it, is because it's about uh, having a lifestyle. You know, it's about creating a yeah. lifestyle. It's about you know time, freedom, all these things that people that, that really I, I find anyway is is often the reason people get into to real estate or other types of investments. Is I mean, people are really looking for the money that can buy them time um, and, and a better lifestyle. And, and whether it's, it's faith, like, like it is for me and, and family, like it is for so many. Um, I know I'll, I'll plug your, your book, Chris, and, and we can talk more about these, but you know, I, I love the, um, the title here of the book that you did, the real estate on your terms. And I, I'm sure, um, and it's, you know, the subtitle creating continuous cash flow now without using your cash or credit. We've talked about some of these things, but um, Chris, tell me a little bit more about, what real estate maybe has done for you personally, and then what you think it can do other for others, why you're so passionate about it. What can it do for someone as far as uh, changing um, their life and their family's life uh, and maybe allowing them to pursue their faith, things like that? So remember what I said at the very beginning to this, and I didn't know you were going to ask this, and that was our purpose is to help individuals and families create the life of their dreams, right? That's our yep. purpose. Yep. So on a personal front, my wife and I's why, you can call it a purpose, call it whatever you want is not to make money, it's to make money to be able to create the experiences that money can't buy, create the experiences for us, grandkids, kids, students, experiences, right? So think about experiences. Like for us, we just bought a 30-year goal, bought a piece of land 
in Snow, Vermont, 10 acres overlooking mountains. Well, that's going to create some amazing experiences for grandkids. That's why we did it. We didn't say, oh, we need this piece of you know, material. That's why we did it. We said, we're already starting to plan what that's going to look like. So it's affording us and then generationally people be able to have those experiences you can't buy. Mm-hmm. And then in the community, same thing. Uh, let me use Brian's story again since I started with him. Here's a guy that was on a plane for 17 years, on a plane every week, and didn't see his kid. And this kid was getting older. And he looked at him and said, I don't like when you travel, Dad. Now, this is an emotional story for him. He now looks out his window and gets emotional because his son's with him. He now stops and has breakfast. He now goes to every game. He's not on a plane again. He said to me, unless I'm going on vacation with him. And that's a pretty cool thing. So that's what it's all about. I get excited just, t- just telling you that. So it's about creating experiences or helping others create life experiences. Those don't go away. Money goes away, but you can create with it. doesn't go away. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say? I got two questions for you, Chris. What, um, cause, cause you have so many students, so you'll be the perfect person to answer this question. What, what is the key ingredient to make a good real estate investor? But then what's the key ingredient to also prioritize while you're doing that, while you're having success in real estate, also continue prioritizing your faith, your family, the things that are important. Cause you know, what I don't want to see people do is, is okay, man, you know, if you put your head down for, for 10 years and, and go at it and work 80 hours a week, you know, you're yeah. going to come out on the other side with this, with this success and this, this number and a bunch of money, but what is your relationship with your wife look like at that point? You know, what, what's, have you been right. following Christ? If that's what, what, and what a relationship with your kids. So, yeah. So what does it take to, to be successful in real estate? Cause that, that's what we're here talking about, but then what does it take? What's the key ingredient to, to also continue maintaining those priorities while you're having success in real estate? Uh, number one, get behind, get behind a niche that you can really get passionate about. So okay. whether it's multi terms, it doesn't matter. I'm not so naive to think it's what we do. I, we love it. That's why we do it, but whatever it is for you. The second piece is, um, finding someone in the niche that not only already did what you want to do because success leaves clues, like you and I just said, yeah. it's been around since 1800s, yeah. right? That, but finding that person who's still doing it. So they did it and they're still active because real estate changes too quickly. Yeah. If you caught someone, for example, after the 08 crash and you're learning from them, that's a different person than before because of the experiences. Yeah. So make sure that that person's the right fit for you. But to answer your question, there's two pieces before I go to step three that answer your question. One is, managing expectations uh, because mm-hmm. this, the third step here is uh, you're not dipping your toe in. You're not trying another niche. You're not getting caught up with all these shiny objects. There's a lot of cool things in real estate, but you've got to manage your expectations and stay focused on one niche. In my opinion, it's at least 36 months, at least 36 months. Um, so that's what I think happens for, for that person to be successful. And then the other piece you said about kind of like uh, I can hit the moral ethical and all that piece, but that step two is, that person or persons that you're following, to your point earlier, make sure that they're what you want to follow, not just on the real estate front. Yeah, right. Um, whatever yep. it is for you, if it's, if it's faith, yep. like you said, or if it's working out, or whatever it is, family, um, make sure all that's there. Because if you're following someone that destroyed their family to have a success and they're out there, why would you possibly do that? You're yep, not going to get the well-rounded piece you need. Yep. Super important. You pick yep. the right person to do that with. Um that's why, frankly, we attract a lot of people that are looking to build family businesses or have their kids in the business. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah um, right. So that was a long answer, but I, those I think nailed your two points there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, no, it really does. I, I think um, finding someone. I, I'm, I'm big on um, the, the coaching, the mentorship. I've had a couple myself um, in a mastermind, and and yeah, the, the guy that leads my mastermind. It, that was exactly what what. Uh, attracted me to, to him and um, his mastermind versus some of the others was was the way 
what I knew about his life outside of his business, the, the way like you yeah. know, he valued his family and his time with his family. And it was like, you know, honestly, like he didn't buy as many properties. He didn't, you know, wasn't a, a, as well known, didn't have quite the following, but it's like the guy's probably not closing as many deals because one, I could tell he was conservative with his numbers and he's not going to get carried away yeah. with this market that's going crazy. But also I think probably like he, he just spends more time with his family. So yeah, sure. Maybe the, the numbers aren't there, but that's kind of, that's exactly what I was looking for. If that's important to you, if faith's important to you, if having a life outside of real estate is important to you, then make sure that that person has that. What would you say personally, Chris, let's dig in a little bit. Um, for you personally, I mean, you, you've got so much going on. What are some, what are some, maybe some, some life hacks that you, that you have even, Chris, as, as everything's going on and swirling, how do you maintain your priorities? How do you make, you know, how do you continue to, to have a great relationship with, you, with your wife, your family, uh, you know, faith, if you have it, like, what are some things that you're doing to make sure that you're maintaining those priorities, even though you've got all this stuff going on? Well, a couple of things, no particular. One is what you said, the balance, right? It's, it's super important because without that, it's, it's pretty boring. Uh, but in general, here's what I'm thinking. One is in the company side of things, and I'll do personal, we have a set of values. I've already set our purpose twice and we have a mission. Everything we do to stay aligned to your question, everything we do falls in there. So in other words, we hire, fire, by our values. We accept students, believe it or not, by our values. There's not a lot of mm -hmm. mentors that would say no to someone wanting to pay you. We have. We said no to four or five people in 2020 that wanted to join our program. Why? They didn't fit our values or something rubbed us the wrong way. It's okay. It's nothing personal. It just didn't fit in the box. And so that's how we stay aligned from that standpoint. Um, on, the, uh, on the personal front, it's very similar. It's making sure that we have the, I, sh I share with you my why, but it's making sure everything you do aligns with that. And it's not just for the sake of doing something or a deal or whatever it might be. So they do align, even though one's business, one's personal. They're the same type of alignment. The last piece is um, mentors. Look, when every stage, it could be six months, trimesterly, yearly, every stage, if you're pushing hard and growing and learning, you're going to need someone different at different stages. So for me, usually a mentor or a group would be anywhere from six months to three years. It just depends on what, what it's activating. In, in 2017, we knew to go from seven, eight figures. That's not a territory we were used to. We needed an outfit that could show us how to do that. And that's what we did. We went and seek them out. Other times, it might be something personally a team member might need. And we say, um, maybe you need some work with you know, Dr. So-and-so who does a lot of mental space work, mindset. Gotcha. Okay, great. So my point is, it's never going to be one answer. It's going to be, where are you right now? What do you need to take the next step? And we yeah. help you do that. We call it stacking. Really good. So yeah, I mean, even someone at your level, Chris, you're still pursuing, you know, mentorship and and going back to all those same Absolutely. things. You know, another mentor that that has done what you want to do. Uh, there's no re reason for you to recreate the, the wheel. Go to somebody that's done it, um, but they're still doing it, and they're doing it in a way that you that you want to do it. So they're running not a Absolutely. seven, but an eight figure company, which is what you want to be doing. They're still doing that, and it's somebody that still has a life that that you you know, would like to have someone that's maintaining a life instead of, you know, burning all these bridges, burning all the relationships and stuff like that. L let me just ask you a couple quick hitter questions. Um, I always ask for a good book recommendation, um, you know, maybe based on our, our uh, conversation here, you know, maybe there's a, a certain book you want to plug. If you want to plug all of them, that's fine. Uh, but I always ask for a book recommendation. So you want to tell us about, about one, of, one of your books or a couple of them? Look, my books you can get in your show notes. So I won't plug those here. Okay, sure. Get, they'll find them. Um, yep. A cool book. I got two cool ones that come to mind, but again, this goes with whatever stage you're at, you'll find the right next one. But yep. Shoe Dog is a great one. You yeah. know, the whole Phil Knight story, amazing. Yep. And then uh, The Hard Things About the Hard Things, I think is the title. I forget the author, but that's another good one because it's right between the eyes. It's here's what's going to happen when you grow a business and here's how you get around it. 
Or I can tell you deal with it. I mean, we'll put in the show notes, but what's the best way for people to reach out to you? you? Uh, Or what's the best way for them to find out more about you, to get more of the content that you guys put out? Uh, Where should we send them? Sure. Uh, Well, the main site is just smartrealestatecoach.com, but a cool site for deals, because we talk a lot about deals and it can get confusing. If they just go to YouTube and punch in smart real estate coach, we have a deal structure Sunday that goes out. And there's, I don't know how many there are now, probably 140, 150. Those are real deals, Lee where us or our students sit and we break down the three paydays. So if they watch wow. those, they'll get yeah. a sense for what you and I just talked about, but they'll get it 150 times, you know? Oh, absolutely. And they get to see it. I mean, it's, it's, it, you yeah. also get to learn better when you, when you're kind of seeing and going through it in a real life example uh, to, to, to make definitely. it, you know, bring it home. Um, well, awesome, Chris, man, this, this has been great stuff. Um, uh, you know, what I love about it is it's not exactly, um, it, it's not something we don't, we don't focus on single family on this, but um I'm very much like you. I'm definitely not naive uh, enough or, or proud enough to think that multifamily real estate is, is the only way, or maybe even the best way uh, to make money. It's right. a niche I've, I've, I've focused on and committed to, like you talked about, Chris, sometimes, um, you know, I've heard other, other smart people say like, honestly, it's not even as much about getting it right. Like picking the exact right one. It's just, you're just commit to it. Just, just stick with it. If you stick with it, learn it, master it. Yeah. I mean, and, and especially I think you and I both, like we just believe in real estate. We believe that, you know, in, in affordable housing and people having housing, it's not going away. Technology's not taking it away. There's, there's great ways to right. do it. You know, you get the terms, right. You buy, right. Things like that. You manage, right. It, it's honestly kind of hard to mess it up. You know, you're going to do pretty well. So I, I really like what you said too there, Chris, about managing your expectations. Cause I think that, that I forget who said it, but a lot of people will, will, you know, requote where they say, a lot of people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what yeah. they can do in five or 10. And I think that's so true. You, you know, you see, I don't know how much somebody made on Bitcoin last year, how much somebody made in, you know, on one flip and okay, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go make a hundred thousand dollars in the next year. Once I just start in real estate and they, that doesn't happen at all. Maybe you make nothing, but man, if you stuck with it five years from now, you might be making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, but so many right. people think they're going to make a hundred in the first year. Don't and quit. So um, well, hey, thanks so much. You've been very generous with your time and I uh, want to be respectful of that. So um, yeah, I hope, we'll, we'll put everything in the show notes. Hope people go check out more about you. You guys got a great program, doing a lot of great things over there. Uh, so thanks for coming on and sharing that with us today, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you yep. a lot. Take care. God bless. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.